type in Matt Monero on Google. You'll find everything you need to know about me, my companies, what we're doing here, who we are, how long we've done it, what the struggle's been, and now I'm pleased to say that we are on the pleasure side of small business. You know, it's also a call-in show. I want you to call me at 870-330-4930. We're talking here in the studio before the show about all these different social media platforms and what's going on and uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're even laughing about the old MySpace. But really what MySpace had was something very cool. It created your space. When somebody got to your MySpace account, you knew who that guy or gal was. You knew what they stood for. You knew what they liked. You had a really good inside view of what their world looked like. And I think that's changed in social media. It really has become a little bit clouded and commoditized and and difficult to really, you know, see the the stake through the sizzle. I mean, how many of us know the guy who's standing there with a picture in front of a Bugatti and the guy's going back to a studio apartment, can't rub two nickels together, you know? I mean, that's what's happening all over social media. It's a scary thing in a lot of ways because the economy is slowing. You're going to see all those posers, those phony guys and gals are all going to go by the wayside here because they're going to have to go back to the marketplace and get real jobs. Because whatever little gig they've had, whether it's been, you know, training you on how to be good at Snapchat for 100 bucks a month or whatever silliness they've been doing is all about to go away. See, see, I've been through this, three economic slowdowns. 1995, when I started my business, was a tough time. 0102 after September 11th, nobody was buying equipment at that point. And 09, really 08 and 09 were really, really challenging. And obviously not just for me, but for lots of people. But I know the economic signs. I, to be honest with you, I don't even need to look at the data points anymore. I can just feel it. But I have data points that tell me that this economy is slowing. And more than ever, we need more money. We are going to need to make more money through this economic downturn. And on today's show, we're going to talk about how we're going to do it. I have a great guest, Kendrick Shope who has uh, an online selling school and a unique program called Authentic Selling, will be joining us in segment two and segment three. We're going to talk about selling strategies to make you more money. But in the meantime, I need to still wake you up. You need to understand what I'm telling you. I am an expert in what goes on in the economy. And I'm telling you that the economy isn't slowing. The economy is slow. Why do I know that? I finance transportation equipment, big rigs, bulldozers, tow trucks, moving equipment. When transportation begins to slow down, that means the economy is slowing down. Transportation is a leading indicator. So if my credit applications are down, if my customers aren't buying, if my dealers aren't selling as much trucks, if my... Uh, delinquency report begins to creep up and my repossessions begin to happen at higher rates that tells me the transportation is slowing down and the last 60 to 90 days have told me exactly that we've gone from pulling a thousand credit applications a month in this office to pulling somewhere around 700 well that's a 30 percent decrease could your business handle a 30 percent decrease could your personal income handle a 30 percent decrease think about it for a second Trucking leads as an indicator, a leading indicator. It's first in recession and it's first out of recession. And I'm telling you, trucking is slowing. And the reason trucking is slowing is because the freight 
that gets hauled on a truck is the stuff that you and I buy. It's the toilet paper that we buy. It's the organic blueberries that Rich, my IT manager, loves to buy and spend eight bucks a pint for. It's the desk that you buy from Office Depot, if anyone even goes to an Office Depot anymore, if you don't just go to Office Depot online or just go to to, uh, Amazon. And as it begins to, the demand for those purchases goes down, so does the demand for the trucks to put it on. And that's what's happening. So I'm here to tell you, I'm here to wake you up today on the I Need More Money radio show. Let's get ready for it. The way you get ready for it is by increasing your activity, period, end of story. You need to get busier. You need to get more uncomfortable. You need to get prepared for how you are going to handle this economic slowdown that is now upon us. See, you probably don't know it's upon you. You actually are still in summer mode. You think everything's going great. You're looking forward to your big summer vacation. You're probably thinking about things that you're going to still buy. That's going to go away for you in six months. I'm giving you the warning call right now because I see it. I'm on the leading edge. I finance transportation equipment. And when customers buy less and dealers sell less and manufacturers manufacture less and shippers order less, it means the trucks don't move as much. And that's what's going on. So my theory on how you make more money is you get good at selling. We've done this series on the I Need More Money radio show. Um, Last week we had Jeffrey Gittimer. The week before we had Larry Wingett all talking about selling. Today we have Kendrick Shope on the show with us today to deliver real selling strategies for us and really get down to 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 the meat, which is you need to know how to sell to make more money. Because everybody is a salesperson. We've talked about this before, but it goes with saying again, everybody is a salesperson. Even the person working at McDonald's, who could just simply push the button if they wanted to, that says Biggie Fry, or if that customer says, I'll take the number one, and they choose to ask, do you want Biggie Fry with that? That's a salesperson. A sale just happened right there. And do you know how you insure your job? You sell more Biggie Fries because you ask, do you want Biggie Fry size? And the more revenue you produce for your company, the security you have. I'll give you a perfect example in our office here. We have a receptionist. Her name is Alexa. And I went to Alexa and I said, listen, with all due respect, I think you're underutilized here in this company. I want you to go out to the marketplace and find me guests. I do another show called the Inside Transportation Show on my network, Road Grid TV, and I need more guests. I constantly need more content. I need more people to be on that show. So I said to her, your new job description on top of answering the phones and checking the mail and doing what you do is you're going to scour social media and you are going to find me guests for my show. You're going to book those guests. You're going to notify the studio in our office. You're going to tell Rich and JP that we have a guest at this time slot and I'm going to show up in the studio and I'm going to do the interview. And then JP is going to turn it into an episode of Inside Transportation and it's going to display on our network. Well, first couple days, guess what? She didn't do much. 
So I found this amazing article on this trucker who had, um, in January of 2015, he had come up on this accident uh, where he actually saw the van with a family, a wife, a mom, and, and three kids roll over and, and crash on the side of the road. And he pulled over and he pulled the family, particularly this one little girl who wasn't breathing, he pulled her out of the car just before the car exploded. Hero. By the way, that trucker never told anybody other than his wife about it. The family that he saved sent a letter to the trucking company that he worked for, and that's how the trucking company found out about it. That's how they went to him and said, man, you're a hero. That's how the press got to him. So no social media handle. We couldn't find him anywhere. Couldn't find a Twitter account, a Facebook account. Couldn't find a a phone number for the guy. Couldn't find an email for the guy. And I said to Alexa, you better figure it out. Find me that guy. So she took it upon herself, called the trucking company that he worked for, said, we read the story. My boss wants to interview him on the show Inside Transportation. The trucking company got in touch with him. And just before I went on the air to do this show, I did the interview with him. Guess what Alexa just did in my mind? Insurance policy, value add, good job, Alexa. Now, Alexa didn't have to do that. She could have come to me and said, you know what? The job description you hired me for was to answer the phone. But she didn't. She recognizes that that delivering more value to the organization is job security in a slowing economy. And she did a damn good job. She found me. She thought outside the box. And she found me a really good guest that we had a very difficult time tracking down. That's good, Alexa. That's good for you listening Ask yourself, what could you be doing along those lines in your organization, regardless of your position, whether you're the VP of sales, the CEO, or you're the receptionist up front? What value add can you bring to the organization that helps put an insurance policy into play? Hey, by the way, do you think Alexa had to sell my friend Gary Hurd, who was the the trucker who saved that person? Do you think she had to sell him? You bet. Because when Gary jumped on the interview this morning, I said, Gary, how many of these have you done? None. I'm with you. Hey, thanks for being on. I apologize for a little bit of technical difficulty there, but welcome to the I Need More Money radio show. I'm your host, Matt Monero. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, listen, it's my pleasure because uh, if you are a sales guru, you and I are kindred souls because I'm a sales guru too. Here's the difference. I think I'm an old school sales guru. I mean, I think I'm like yellow pages, phone, folding table, cold call maniac. Are are you still training people to sell that way? Yeah, in some ways. I I love it. I I think we probably are kindred spirits. I think that the, the overlying, the overarching thing on which we absolutely agree is you do what it takes. If that's cold calling, you do it. If that's yellow pages, you do it. You try everything. Yeah, no question about it. But Kendrick, let's give a little uh, uh, background so everybody gets to know who you are. You you have a selling school and a brand called Authentic Selling, and you have taken your selling strategies and turned it into a very successful business. Yeah, I have. I started selling, gosh, this, this really dates me, but uh, about two decades ago. And I sold lumber, <laughs> so I know the trucking industry pretty well. I sold lumber for a Fortune 500 company. And wow. then transitioned into pharmaceutical selling and did that for about a decade. 
and then eventually created my own sales school based on my time in the field because I felt like there was a whole component of selling education missing out there. And I've had my business for about five years, and it's, yeah, it's very successful, and I love what we do, and I think we bring something, I know we bring something very needed into the discussion about selling. Well, I mean, it's funny, because I I, I talk to, I I mean, my company um, is a selling machine. I mean, we are a sales organization, first and foremost. Of course, we need to understand credit and fund transactions and understand equipment and get out of equipment if the deal goes bad, all that sort of stuff. But in general, our first and foremost strategy here is to be a selling machine. And we spend a lot of time training our folks on it. And you know, I've been doing it for 21 years, and I'm fascinated at still, after all this time, how fearful people are about being a salesperson. They still don't like it. Would you agree with that? No. Yeah, I think that's the reason I have a job is because people don't <laughs> like it. Yeah, it, it amazes me. And, and, and people don't like this, but it, it seems to be, at least with the people I, I have seen, it, it almost seems to be more of a gender issue to me. Females are very afraid of being the pushy, aggressive, stereotypical used car salesman, for lack of a better word. And that's a problem because I, like you, agree everybody's in selling. You know, you're selling something. You're selling somebody on something somewhere. So if you're doing something that feels gross to you, there's a problem. Yeah, but let's talk about the male-female thing for a little bit because we're building a a revised management team here, a a, a much deeper, uh, more experienced management team here. And I'm going to tell you point blank, and I hope it doesn't come across as sexist, but I'm looking for women. Women are better managers than men. I'm convinced of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the here's the reason why. Do you know why? Why why do you think that's true? I'm going to tell you, it's very it's I think I think it's going to freak people out when they hear my answer to this. But I think women in business are less emotional than men in business. Oh, I think that's women a good one. I think women can separate it. It seems things seem more black and white to my my female executive committee members than to my male executive committee members. I hope it doesn't come across as sexist. I think it's very complimentary to women in the management role, but I think it's dead on. We had a situation in my office yesterday where we had a real problem with our with, with a breach of our one of our employees on, on the employee handbook policies, and my, the, the, the females in my executive committee were like, fire his butt, don't even think twice. And the men were like, well, maybe we should think it through. He's a good guy. He's a single dad with a couple of kids. I mean, it was unbelievable how hard they were. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting about all of this is, and, and I, don't think, I, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's sexist at all, but what I do think is people are afraid to talk about it. I mean, obviously – Men and women are different. All you got to do is look at a man and a woman to see that they're different. But our brains are different. 1% of our brains are different, and that 1% controls exactly what you're talking about. So mm. it controls in women that they're going to be able to manage some tasks better than men. You may not like it, men, but it's true. Men are able to do some things better than women. Our gender differences absolutely dictate areas where we can be more successful. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I when, when we come back after the break, I really would like to get into a whole segment about this because what I'm getting at here is my female managers seem to be very tough, but my female salespeople still seem to come across a little bit subservient in the client relationship. And again, remember, our customers are, you know, big, gruff, Bubba the trucker kind of guys. And while I think if... If, if my female salespeople were able to leverage that, I think they actually may have some more success, but I find they act a little bit subservient, and I really yeah. want to delve into that with you to figure out how can we help women in the selling world not feel that way and feel tough and strong and, and right up in the grill of, of, of the male that they may be selling to, or you may have a completely different opinion of that, and maybe I'm maybe it's just the three women on my sales floor that I have that are, are like that. But but I think it's probably the same, and because I, I get called on by a lot of women, and I feel that they immediately take a little bit less of a power role in the selling situation. So when we come back, let's dig into that. Okay? Can't wait. Okay, Kendrick. Thanks a lot. We'll be right back. Stick around. Welcome back as we enter segment three of the I Need More Money radio show. Why wait? Let's get right back into it with my special guest, Kendrick Shope. Kendrick can be found on her website at Kendrick, K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S-H-O-P-E.com, KendrickShope.com. Uh, Kendrick, what is the name of the selling school, or do you just refer to it as Authentic Selling School? We just call it Sales School. <laughs> Good old-fashioned Sales, sales School. school. <laughs> and and let's let's get back into it because we kind of got down a little bit of rabbit hole that might twist some people off where we're talking the difference between males yeah. and females in the selling world but but how how can you talk about if, I mean you're trying to be truthful about it how can it not be different it's different right absolutely absolutely and this is the thing that blows my mind cuz people get so incensed over this and and I mean again all you got to do is look at a man and a woman and see that we're different I think that the thing that, that a lot of women are told initially when they enter corporate America is that you have to shut off part of yourself in order to be successful. Or worse, you're told that you've got to be super aggressive and you've got to do it the way a man has before. I was once told, you're not in selling and you're not a good salesperson until you've been kicked out of an office. Now, I've got to mm. tell you. That maybe that maybe that's true, but I sold an awful lot of products without ever being kicked out of an office. That goes against that doesn't go against my DNA. It goes against my socialization. I mean, women just don't get kicked out of places where I come from. Hey, so, but Kendrick, when, I think there's one more piece that I think there's maybe a third thing too, which is that you need to dress uh, provocative. Or conversely, if you dress provocative, you're looked at in the wrong way. So I mean, there's yeah. pressure in that regard too. There's, there's pressure everywhere, right? There, you're absolutely right, and that's a whole different topic. I mean, it, I mean, it's not, but it's a whole different animal in which, which women in sales face. And I thought about that almost every day. Is this too tight? Is this too short? Did these boots make me look like a prostitute? I did. I thought about it. Right, right, right. I think, I think the thing here that makes authentic selling so amazing is that it focuses on what is naturally built in a woman's DNA. It allows us to use those things that we're naturally good at to be successful. It says, hey, that person who isn't as aggressive as a man can be just as successful. It's not saying men are doing it wrong. It's like a football team. you got two people, two different teams with, with, with the goal of winning the football game, right? 
and one person may run the ball and one team may throw the ball. doesn't mean one's right or wrong. They both have the same goal in mind, and this is the same thing. What I teach women to do is focus on what they are genetically wired to do and what we've been socialized to do and use that in order to create success. And what is that, though? What is that primary DNA that a woman has in a selling situation? Yeah, it's a great question. So the, the, the most important thing, I think, is when, you, when brain research shows at Harvard that men enjoy being in conflict. The amygdala in the brain is larger in a man than it is in a woman, and that's, that's the area that regulates fear. And, and this makes sense if you think about it, but what's interesting is what I call happiness chemicals are released when a man is in a stressful situation. These serotonin, norepinephrine, oxytocin, the same brain chemicals that are released when a, a man and a woman both are having an orgasm. They're released when a man is in conflict. In contrast, a woman retreats. The brain shows she doesn't like conflict. Conflict. Those same happiness chemicals are released when she is in a relationship, when she's talking, when mm. she is socializing. And, and that makes sense, right? It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. What's even yeah. more interesting is uh, women have 11% more neurons in the communication area of the brain than, ma- than men. So women are able, better able to understand facial expressions, tone of voice. Mm. They have a better capacity for language and communication, mm. better mm. capacity for building relationships. All of that can be played into selling like a woman. Yeah, I, I even see it on my home front. I mean, with my wife of 18 years, I mean, uh, you know, she, she can't balance the checkbook, but I'm telling you, she can read a situation as good as anybody on the planet and i have learned to defer to her in those in those eq kind of situations where i need to get that vibe i need somebody to tell me what the energy is boom i go right to my wife she nails it a hundred percent but if i ask her you know uh how much did you spend uh, last week at the you know on the electric bill she doesn't have a clue I'm the same way. It drives my husband crazy. He's like, how can you not know how much you spent? I'm like, I don't know. I just paid the bill. It was due. I wrote the check. What's the problem? Let's move on to something more important. But that's the key. That's that's also the key to marriage, right? I mean, we got to play to our strengths. And I've learned to love that aspect of my wife. And I've actually learned in business, too, to bring her into certain situations where I know I'm weak and she's ridiculously strong. I will bring her in. And, of course, that makes her feel really good, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think... You know, I don't think that this is an, as much as I like black and white and all or nothing, I don't think this is a black and white situation. You're going to have women who who maybe thrive a little bit more on conflict than average yeah. women. That's okay. What we're talking about here is knowing what you're innately good at, what, you're innate, what innately turns you on, so to speak, and going out there and doing it. One of the things you talked about in the previous segment was about the person at McDonald's is selling, right? He's offering you a biggie fry. He's selling. And interestingly enough, I had, a, I, had, I had something like this happen last week, and I thought, this person has got my business as long as I am in the state of Arkansas. I'm, I'm that stereotypical woman who gets Starbucks coffee every freaking day. I'm addicted to it. <laughs> and I went to a new Starbucks on Saturday. I was grumpy because I didn't want to have to go get it, but I'm addicted. Went through the drive-thru, and this man was so nice, and he said, you know what? This Starbucks on, is on us. You, you, no need to pay for it. You have a great day, and we hope to see you back here as a customer. That mm. was Saturday. 
every day since then, I have changed where I buy my coffee. <laughs> awesome. I mean, Locked and loaded. But, yeah. but Kendrick, yeah. you're on to something. Speaker. You are on to something with this concept of authentic selling because I, I, I think your definition maybe of authentic selling is really connect to what you're good, naturally good at, what your DNA is, and use that to your skill set and to your advantage. But the marketplace, in my opinion, is moving to transparency. We see the inauthentic coming a mile away. So how is that playing into your concept of authentic selling? Well, it's the best thing since sliced bread because we do. I mean, we have exposure to, what, 8 million marketing messages or something like that a day. I mean, it's everywhere. And so you can see what is true, what is authentic, what is real. And we have become really good filters for bull, for BS, right? Yep. And yeah. so the people who are willing, being authentic isn't always easy. You know, sometimes you've got to, you, you got to be willing to say, yeah, we really screwed up and we're going to make it right rather yeah. than sweeping it under the rug. It's not always easy and it's sometimes scary, but the people I see do that, their business explodes. And that's yeah, it's what also, I'm talking about. It's also uh, going to the customer and saying, we don't do that. We're not good at that. So many weak salespeople want to be the generalist. They want to be, you know, the jack of all trades and master of none. And that that kills uh, that kills expertise. And and if you're dealing with an expert on the other side of the table, it absolutely kills that opportunity. I think. I think you have to be experts at a few things. Yeah, I have to tell you, and and my audience is primarily women, but when a new person selling a new product or service does this all the time, it is my it is my filter for how long they've been they've they've been in business. When they say, "Well, I can help everybody," and I'm like, "No, you can't." Yeah. And I don't really care if you can or not. That is not your message. Well, I can help anybody who's got X Y Z. No, we've got to get more specific than that. First of all, nobody's going to believe you can help everybody. Yep. So, Kendrick, let's talk about this for a second because we have an argument in my office going on all the time, and I'd love your expert opinion on this. Um, We force our sales team to make a lot of cold calls, and our guys come to me often and say, you know, I think I'd be more effective if I made half as many cold calls because I could do more research prior to the phone call. I could check out their website. I could go to their LinkedIn page. Maybe I'd check them out on Twitter or Facebook, and I would know more about them. Therefore, I could leverage that information on the call what is the right answer? Research before the call or just, you know, go and blow and bang the bang the phones? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think cold calling is kind of an entirely different animal. And I'm kind of of the opinion that you make the phone call, you make the phone call, you make the phone call until you get a bite, and then you can do some research. But, I mean, you know, nine times out of ten, when you cold call, you don't get a bite anyway. You leave a message, you whatever. I, do I think that, that – that researching on LinkedIn is helpful. Yeah, I used to do a little bit of research before I cold call. I'd try to find out what basketball team they liked and see if I could talk Duke basketball or whatever if I could. But innately, I think you got to bang it out. The more calls you make, the more likely you are to get in front of somebody who is going to bite. <laughs> we are kindred spirits on that. Because I, I say to the guys, too, don't waste your time doing that. You need to make more doggone calls. Or if you do do it, why do I have to allow you to make less calls? You should still make the same amount of calls and do the doggone research. Kendrick, listen, I know we had talked about doing two segments. I'd love to hold you over and do a fourth segment. Do you have time in your schedule for another 10 minutes for us? I'd love to, yes. Good. Stick around. We'll be right back with segment four. Thanks. Welcome back to segment four of the I Need More Money show. 
I asked our guest, Kendrick Shope, sales expert Kendrick Shope, to stick with us. We're having too much fun. We've got to keep it going. So, Kendrick, welcome back. Thank you. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's because you got two sales experts on the phone. I mean, we could go all day. I'm sure we could trade all kinds of horror stories, war stories, the whole nine yards. But at the end of the day, the selling world's changed. And the way the way you and I cut our teeth in selling and the way selling is done today is different. Yes or no? I totally agree. I totally agree. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I think one of the, one of the biggest changes is people are afraid or unwilling to do some of the things that perhaps we were told to do years ago you know yeah. especially women are not they're just not going to do it i mean if it feels gross to them if it feels pushy nope not going to do it so you yeah, got to find a way to be able to wall them street to get out there and do it yeah. It's a Wall Street mindset, right? I mean, uh, I graduated college in 91. Wall Street came out in whatever it was, 87. Gordon Gecko, all of my buddies, we all yeah. wanted to be Gordon Gecko. I don't know where that is today. I, I don't know what that what that is. But we were willing to eat crow, to get kicked out of the offices. We were willing to do whatever we had to do to be successful. And I think today people are, are less uh, – the version of uncomfortable is – has been condensed and so what most people think is uncomfortable is really nothing like what it was i i mean i, I you know oh. i know real uncomfortable selling situations and i just don't see too many of the people really willing to put themselves out there for them today yeah i think that there are two things there that i think play into that and and i was one of those people by the way i can remember when i came out of my very first sales school in my very first pharma job and my manager, who was an old school salesman, said, all right, go in, pull out your detail aid, get to selling. And, I mean, I must have looked like a deer in the headlights. No way. No way. Course, I mean, I'm sure he course. thought, who have we hired? Because I said, I am not going in to a total stranger, and then I'm going to start selling them. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to sell them for six months. I'm going to sell them on me. And at the mm. end of that six months, I guarantee you, you're going to start to see their numbers go up. And they did. Yeah. But I'm sure he was like, oh, my God, we've just paid how much money to train this woman, and she's already talking back. <laughs> yeah, but that's so true, though. That, that, that has never gone away. The ability to sell yourself, the relationship aspect of things is more important than ever. However, I don't know if you've read the book, The, uh, 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 um, the Challenger Sale. Have you read that book? No, I haven't, but I it's will. It's a wonderful, a wonderful book in which they talk about the a study that was done between relationship selling and challenging selling, basically questioning the quest, this customer's business and buying practices, and they, they determined in the study that challenging the customer actually produced better results, and I believe that the challenge comes from expertise, so, so I think where yeah. I'm going with the question is the level of skill required is greater today than it was before. Uh, because there's just so much doggone competition. It's so clouded, and so many people have been burned in the last 20 years from lousy salespeople. Yes, absolutely. I think that I can't wait to read the book. I'm fascinated by that already. But I think that the thing that, that you know we have to do is we've got to set ourselves apart. I don't care yeah. if that's through relationships, intelligence, or what. Now, I was never the best at my product knowledge. I wasn't. I was good enough. But I was the best at relationships. So I think this goes back a little bit to kind of like where the future of medicine is going. It's individually what you're good at. You know, I'm not, I, I can challenge when I need to, but by God, I am, I am the best there is at forming relationships on a sales team. And so that's what I use to be successful. 
the other thing I think that is interesting in this conversation is you talked about you know, what we used to be willing to do compared to what we're willing to do today. As, and I, as more women flood the marketplace, as more women become selling experts, I think that they're, they're willing to get only so uncomfortable. And so if they're having to deal with sexism in the marketplace, which exists, you may not yeah. like it, you may not want to admit it, but it does. We've already touched on it. If they're willing to deal with catty comments, which happens, you may not like it, but let's don't try to hide it. It does. They, stuff gets said all the time. Then they're probably not willing to go in and say, I'm going to get thrown out of an office. There's only so mm -hmm. much of that I can deal with. And getting thrown out of an office wasn't one of them. I felt like I was putting up with enough. Wow, that's a really interesting uh, thought uh, pattern there. I mean, basically what you're saying is, please excuse my expression here, but we had Larry Winget and he wrote a book. It, 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 you're kind of saying grow a pair to the women and saying, listen, toughen up a little bit. Yeah, I, do, I think that we have all gotten softer, you know, and I'm a, I'm a trained life coach. So, I mean, that's about as soft as you can get. I know all <laughs> about the negative thoughts and all of that stuff. And, but I think that anybody, anybody who tells you that a job or even living your life is going to feel good and amazing every day and you will always do things you love is lying to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But Kendrick, are more women entering the workplace because um, they need to make more money for the household or they want to reach their potential? Why do you see this influx of more women moving into the sales arena? I think that part of it is more money for the household. I also think that, no, I know, that I see online, you know, entrepreneurship among, among women is skyrocketing. I mean, we've got women making millions of dollars now online because they want a better life, because yeah. they see a way to internationally affect people. And so, and they see people doing it. I mean, that's, that's what I did. I, I love pharmaceutical sales. I was good at it. But when I saw that I could go out and have an international effect and make a ton of money, I mean, I was sold. That's awesome. Two things I want to uh, I want to leave you with that I really enjoyed when I read your material prepping for the show. I like this comment that you you actually have the guts to start to throw out numbers of what people thresholds basically that people need to be making. And you were th in one of your materials you threw out. You know, are you not happy making fifty thousand? I didn't know if that was fifty grand a year, fifty grand a month. But I love that you're starting to throw out numbers because I think most people don't even have a clue what number they should be selling towards, whether it's personal income or monthly uh, volume quotas. I agree. I agree. And that goes back to like selling 101, right? What's your quota and how do you exceed it? Yeah, and, but I don't think people spend enough time doing it on a personal level either. They need no. to figure out how much doggone money do they want to make this year and then do the re reduction of the ridiculous to figure out how many calls, how many closes, etc. The other thing, Kendrick, that I like so much is you and I are on the exact same page that we believe that selling is learned. It is not a, a born thing. This idea that people are born salespeople I think is hocus pocus. I think the best salespeople are the most trained and the most practiced and the most skilled. You do too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about, I think this is the case in anything. Think about Michael Jordan. I'm sure he was gifted yeah. when he was born, but he played basketball yeah. his whole freaking life. He was a student of the game. Hey, Kendrick, I knew this was going to happen. I knew they were going to play the music and two, two chatty Cathy's were going to keep on talking about a, uh, something that we're passionate about. I want to thank you for being on the show. It was an awesome, so awesome experience. Guys, get in touch with Kendrick Shope at KendrickShope.com. Kendrick, I can't wait till we do something again together, okay? 
Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks.